Trouble with Transformation, a serialised podcast by Alison Whip. Chapter 6, Friends and Foes. One of the secrets to an enduring friendship is to know when to butt out and give your friend time to process, especially when said friend has had one hell of a shock. Danny is possibly the most inquisitive person I know, so it must have taken huge restraint on his part not to grill me during the bus ride home. It could have been that he was focused on his own stuff. The Queensland Science Championship was in a few months' time, and he wanted a spot in the finals more than anything, except for maybe Greece winning the World Cup. But all signs suggested he was doing the restraint thing. It was pretty hard to ignore the hail of fortune cookies raining down on us from the back of the bus. The shouts of, Duck, mate! Incoming baked goods! And mocking cries of, Stop! Stop! During the ride home. At one point, the bus driver, thinking the calls were aimed at him, did stop. When he ranted and shouted about, The next person to shout, stop! Having to walk home. I stared out the window and tapped into my happy place. I pictured myself at the Glitz, or even better, sitting in a little dreary cinema 10,000 miles away. When the bus finally set us down, my foot barely hit the curb before Danny lifted his interrogation embargo. So? So? What was all the fuss with that fortune cookie, he asked. You noticed, I said, deadpan. Would you believe me if I told you it was a ticket in tonight's gold lotto? Danny gave me a look that could melt cheese. I sighed. Okay, well tell me what you think of this. I reached into the hip pocket of my uniform and handed him the slip of paper. Someone's sick idea of a fortune. Danny unfolded it and whistled long and low. We stared at the bold lettered writing in his hands. Terry Jones is alive. Meet me at the message tree, Friday, 1900. Cripes, that's weird, he said, unable to tear his eyes away from the note. No wonder you turned all white and trembly back at the Golden Crab. Guess it wasn't the food after all. He ventured a crooked grin. So you think it's a joke, do you? Danny's olive skin lost some of its glow. Sorry. I wasn't trying to make fun of the situation. I, I just don't know what to say. I didn't mean that. I meant the fortune itself. Do you think someone's trying to have a go at me? I hadn't told Danny about the message on the beach. Not because I didn't trust him. He knows everything about me, right down to the dodgy stuff. How I can't get enough of all those Hollywood movies they play at the Glitz, with their razor-tongued leading ladies and man's men with marshmallow centres. That there are times in my life where I think having a father might not be so bad. I didn't tell him about the other message, because up until now, part of me was still hoping this wasn't real, that everything would just sort itself out, and I wouldn't have to get my hands dirty. Just a dumb joke, where the sender would eventually get bored and give up. Trouble was, they weren't giving up. If anything, they were kicking it up a notch. The stunt at the Chinese was a gutsy move. Bloody terrifying if you thought too much about it. Before I could change my mind, 
I took the scrunched up note from my backpack and pressed it into Danny's hand. What's this? Read it. A frown appeared above the bridge of his nose as we walked in silence. Eventually he said, I don't get it. Terry's your dad's name, right? I nodded. And I guess the lost your head of your house bit refers to him. But it's all a bit random. With the bright was a star line. And what's with the meeting you would be a snap? Is that supposed to be some kind of a threat? Starbright is the name of Terry's record company. And I took a deep breath before adding. And snap, well, that's my middle name. A glimmer of unadulterated delight flit across Danny's features, quickly replaced by something safer. Your middle name is Snap? Dad, I don't know what you were thinking when you gave me that name. As if disappearing at the water's edge wasn't enough, you had to name me after a biscuit. I looked ahead, stony-faced. My dad had a wicked sense of humour, apparently. I cleared my throat. Anyway. Cat had the name removed by Deedpole. Only someone who's really done some digging could know it. Why would anyone go to so much trouble? Danny straightened his shoulders and set his eyes front. I caught the tail end of a mutter. Can think of a few people. What? I demanded, after we'd taken a few more steps. But why? He shot me a side glance. Um, I think you know why. Danny lifted his gaze from his shoes and looked at me then. A solid, hard stare filled with truths. Ones I didn't want to think about right now. Everybody loves me. I picked up the pace. I'm junior captain. Danny didn't reply. We both knew how I got to be junior captain, and that was the point. One I was resolutely sidestepping. Okay, okay, he said, putting on a burst of speed to catch up. Forget about motive. What about the waiter? Have you seen him before? I frowned. I think so, but I can't place him. There was something familiar about him. He's kind of old. Maybe he's one of Kat's friends. That's a creepy thought, Danny Foe shivered. A second later, he lit up. Or maybe he's friends with one of the teachers. Maybe one of them did it. What? I stopped dead, causing Danny to trample on the heel of my shoe. How? Careful. I bent over, working my foot back into place. Hot and prickling, I shook out the neck of my shirt. Which teacher? Danny thought for a moment. Well, there's Robbo. He didn't seem that surprised when the cookies came out. Why would he do something like that? There was that itching powder fiasco at the swim carnival. Apparently he had to wear boxes and apply calamine for weeks. A chortle burst out of me, echoing down the street. A dog started barking in the distance. Poor Robbo. I'd forgotten about that. Well, that was more Brian than me. My mouth twitched at the corners. Besides, Robbo's not the kind of guy to bear a grudge. I can't see him running around the school grounds after hours on a Friday playing stealth ninja on his students, can you? That's true, I guess, Danny shrugged. Who else, though? We arrived outside Danny's house, flinging our bags to the ground, 
Danny waved his hands into a cradle, boosting me as I scrambled my way to the top of the Costa's wall. Then I reached down to hoist him up. I'm at a loss, I said, once we were settled side by side, the sun-baked bricks soaking into our skin. Can't think of anyone. I stared out to the ocean, following the dance of sunlight on the waves. The water's a different colour here, Dad. Bright like bottle glass, not the iron grey we're used to. But I think you'd love it here. Danny and I sat silently for a while, watching the surf roll in. Then he ventured into the void. Have you thought about Brian? <laughs> That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. You're just saying that because you don't like him. And you shouldn't either with the way he hustles all the easy targets. I thought for a moment. Brian had fished. More than a few times, for bits and pieces about you. Not you specifically. Just general, where's your dad questions. Maybe he'd done a bit of extra investigative work and made the connection. I'm so used to having him on our side. I didn't even think of him as a potential enemy. Yeah, I don't think he makes a good one, Danny said. Think about poor Kim Christensen and that thing with the bubbler. Poor Kim Christensen? Okay, she probably deserved it, he said. Did she ever? Besides, it was my idea. The bubble gum and the food colouring. Brian just worked out the logistics. I have to take your word for it. I occasionally forgot that Danny wasn't around for all the Kim Christensen drama. His parents transferred him to Bottlenose High in Year 7 after his brother got caught up in a teacher-pupil gambling scandal at the All Saints Orthodox School in Nippy Heads. Anyway, that's all done with now. The mention of Kim's name was taking my memory on a trip I wasn't keen to take. Okay, fine, Danny said. We were both staring out to sea now, watching the coloured surfboards dot across the water like tossed confetti. All I'm asking is that you think about it. You know, Brian. Hmm. My legs were all fidgety, swinging this way and that, like a puppet's legs in a Christmas pantomime. There is another possibility. Yeah? What's that? I forced myself to hold Danny's gaze. The possibility that Terry's alive and someone's trying to let me know. Danny looked away. I knew what he was thinking. That you were dead. That's what we'd all thought up till now. My stomach was flip-flopping like crazy, remembering the other pages I'd found on the internet while looking for stuff about you. Newspaper articles gleefully detailing police raids and coronial inquests, shining their bright brassy torch on Cat and her private life, on Mr Bell, the carefully worded suggestion that Cat and Mr Bell got rid of you together. Together, together. Those blood-sucking paps. I'll eat a jar of pickled fish guts if someone can show me Cat and Mr B ever behaving anything other than strictly professional. And as for murder, we both know Cat can't even bring herself to kill a cockroach, let alone a husband. Anyway, you're not dead. That's proof enough for me. It's just a thought, I said. I know it's a long shot, but it's just as likely as your theory about Brian. 
I'm thinking we should make sure. What do you mean? You don't honestly think we should turn up Friday night, do you? It's the only lead we've got. What's the worst that can happen? Brian jumps out from behind a tree and we both wet ourselves. If he does, you can hold him down and I'll pop him across the nose. That'll teach him. Danny looked at me the way he does when I asked to copy his physics homework. I can think of a lot worse. His eyes held mine. Do you really want to be creeping around a deserted schoolyard after dark? Come on, Dan. It's Bottlenose Beach. Worst comes to worst, I'll protect you. I raised my eyebrows, mimicking his lopsided grin. He laughed and shook his head. Fine, but I'm going to need a good excuse. It's Uzo Lamb Chops this Friday. My eyes narrowed. Is that your mama speaking? Or you? Danny kicked the brickwork. I gave him a hard look. I see. Why don't we say we're going to the pictures? I'll get Mr B to drop us off and pick us up just after the movie ends. I doubt he's got anything on. Cat's in Sydney this weekend. It could work, Danny said. What's playing? Who cares? I started lowering myself down the wall, the shaved stubble of my legs clinging to the cement render, tugging painfully as I went. We won't be seeing any of it, 